I must have seen that Star Wars poster a million times. But on this highway from Gallup, out of my element and surrounded by brush-covered mesas, I could almost make myself see it through fresh eyes. The kid in white robes appears to be holding some sort of flashlight to the sky. A young woman in strange hair buns holds a gun and poses by his side. Behind them looms a giant gas mask face with dead eyes and a samurai helmet. What a strange dream this movie must be. Just inside town is the Navajo Nation Museum, which spent the past three years persuading Lucasfilm to collaborate on this adaption of Star Wars. I had to wonder why they persisted so long instead of choosing another translation project. And then I walked into the office of the museum director, Manuelito Wheeler, and saw a shelf full of Boba Fett figurines taking pride of place. Manny, as he is known, is a big bear of a guy with a stoic expression and silver flecks in his black ponytail hair. A more relaxed and unpretentious museum director you could never hope to meet. He called me dude from our first phone call. He told me he'd loved the original trilogy ever since he caught it on VHS in his late twenties. He can more than hold his own in the traditional geek bonding ritual of quoting Star Wars lines. When I was running late for a subsequent meeting with him, we texted each other Death Star Trench Run dialogue. Stay on target. I can't maneuver. Stay on target. Wheeler could wax lyrical about the purpose of the screening, which the museum had conceived of as a way to nurture and preserve the Navajo language. But he also understood that in order for that campaign to be most effective, these matters needed to be approached the same way that Star Wars itself begs to be approached with exuberance and lightness. Not that the need to preserve the Navajo language is not dire. The people's mother tongue, also known as Diné, is dying. Fewer than half of the 300,000 people of the nation can speak it at all. Fewer than 100,000 are fluent. Fewer than one in ten can read Diné. Back in George James's day, kids were taught English in reservation schools and spoke Diné at home. These days, Danette is taught in schools, but kids of the 21st century don't care to learn it. Why bother when English fills their smartphones, tablets, and TVs? We're know-it-alls now, Wheeler sighed. We need to reinvent ourselves. What the next generation of Danette needed, he figured, was exactly what George Lucas felt the youth of the 1970s needed. Adventure, thrills, good versus bad, a fairy tale utterly divorced in space and time from the here and now, yet also grounded in familiar themes and myths. The story Lucas labored over for years was in many senses a product of its time and the eras that had preceded it. But the dream he captured on celluloid turned out to be utterly malleable and exportable. Star Wars might just have the power to make Diné cool again. But isn't this just a form of American cultural imperialism in which native people are surrendering to the forces of Hollywood? Wheeler has two words for that notion. Come on, dude! Star Wars is not Hollywood. It is the brainchild of a staunchly independent, Hollywood-hating filmmaker in Marin County who recruited a bunch of young countercultural visual effects guys in a Van Nuys warehouse. The villain of this fairy tale, the Empire, was inspired by the U.S. military in Vietnam, the Ewoks by the Viet Cong, 
The Emperor by President Nixon. The fairy tale was charmingly benign enough to mask that fact, and now every culture around the planet, whether embattled or entitled, sees itself in the Rebel Alliance. But the subversive story was there from the moment Lucas sat down to write his first draft. Star Wars has got a very, very elaborate social, emotional, political context that it rests in, Lucas said in 2012. But of course, nobody was aware of that. And there's another reason for the Navajo to embrace Star Wars more than most cultures. There's something spiritual going on here, Wheeler says. He points out that Joseph Campbell, the giant of global mythology, steeped himself in Navajo culture. That was the subject of Campbell's first book, Where the Two Came to Their Father, 1943, published three years before The Hero with a Thousand.